The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Masechet Sukkah has been dedicated by Celia and Isaac Jamal. Hashem Alehem Yehu Amen for the Hatzlecha of their dear children. May they see much nachat from all of them. May they all grow up and get married in the right time and have children healthily, happily with berachah vatzlacha. And may they see uh, descendants and descendants of their descendants. Ad bi'ad go'el sedek. Amen. The Masechet has also been dedicated Le'ilu Nishmat Sarah Bat Adel Ruah Hashem Tanihena Began Eden Amen Again by Celia and Isaac Jamal To school the Mitzvot Be'ezdaf has been dedicated by Mr. Nisim and Elias Bassan Hashem Yishmenim Bihayim In memory of their mother Sarah Bat Malka Ruah Hashem Tanihena Began Eden Amen Daf Mem Dalid Today's daf is being studied by Elihu Nishmat Abraham ben Esther. Ruah Hashem Tanihainu began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied by Elihu Nishmat Amiruhemet Shneftered the Kitzur Yamim Veshanim. Mazal Bat Frida. Ruah Hashem Tanihainu began Eden. Amen. We begin today's daf on Mem Gimal Amud Bet, and we start. Three lines from the bottom. And yesterday's daf, we learned that we had a great mahlokit between Rabbi Yosef and Abayir, how the mitzvah of Arava was fulfilled in the Beit HaMikdash. According to Rabbi Yosef, all the Kohanim would do with this Arava mitzvah was they would stand Aravot around the Mizbayah. We would just stick him against the Mizbah and that would be the Mizvah. Hence, according to Rabbi Yosef, uh, there would be no need to commemorate the Mizvah of Arava after the time of the Beit HaMikdash. Because there's no way we can really do something Zecher Mikdash because we don't have a Mizbah today. So what are you going to do with the Aravot? Whereas according to Abayir, he said no. It would actually take the Aravot and walk them around the Mizbayah. So we take them and walk them around. So there was an Inyan in taking the Arava, taking it, shaking it. So therefore, uh, the Chaura, the question should be, in Eresh Yisrael, where we know they were uh, clear on when the holiday was, because they knew exactly when the Chodesh was in Eresh Yisrael, and the Gemara is going to ask, seemingly, they should do something on the seventh day, the seventh day of uh, Sukkot, to commemorate the mitzvah of Arava. The Gemara is assuming that you're only going to commemorate the mitzvah of Arava one day. Even though in the Beit HaMikdash it was a seven day mitzvah, the Gemara is going to discuss why we only have to commemorate it one day. But the point is, the Gemara is saying, we should commemorate according to Abayir, on the seventh day of Sukkot, even if it falls out on Shabbat, we should take Aravot, we shouldn't worry about the Mukseh aspect of it, because since we're doing something Zecher, the Mikdash, so the Mitzvah of Arava should override Shabbat if it's the seventh day, and uh, we should uh, take it. So the Gemara asks, uh, Ve'ela Nidhu. 
according to you that you tell me that it was mitzvah to take the aravot, they should override the seventh day, even if it comes out on Shabbat. And she says, bottom line, since the mitzvah is netilah, taking it, you should do something to commemorate the Beit HaMikdash, and it will be a commemoration. Because by taking it, you're commemorating what they did in the Beit HaMikdash. So the Rashi says, Shabbat. It's Gibraltar's question. So the Gibra says, Kevan de Anan lo dahinan inu name lo dahu. So the Gibra says, listen, since the people in Bavil they do not do the Mizrav Arava if the seventh day falls out on Shabbat. Why? Because again we learned in yesterday's Gemara that they were not certain when the last day or what the last day was. Well, we know it's Shabbat, but they were not certain if it's still Sukkot or not. Because depending on what last month's Elul, was it a Chatser or was it a Maleh? Was it a 29-day month or a 30-day month? So that's going to affect when Sukkot is. Now since a lot of times they don't get the report in Bavel of what happened in Eris Yisrael with the sanctification of the month. So therefore since they're not certain if the seventh day which fell out on Shabbat, is it really the seventh day of Sukkot or not? So therefore, the Hakamin came along and said, in Bavel, they do not take the Aravot. They do not want to waive the rule of Mukseh, of taking the Aravot, uh, in a case where it might not even be Sukkot. So the Gemara is saying, we want to keep unity. Once already in Bavel, they're not doing it, finished. So we don't want to have now groups. That in Bavel, they're not doing it. In Israel, they're doing it. So therefore, they wanted to unify Kla Israel, And that's what the Gemara means when it says, Kevan de'anan lo dahinan. Since we in Bavel do not override the seventh day, inuname lo dahu. So therefore, us in Israel also are not going to be dohe. So that explains Arava. Now, if you remember, we learned in yesterday's daf as well, a similar law applied to Lulav. What did we say? We said Lulav uh, in Bismanazir, there was no Beta Mikdash. The first day that falls out on Shabbat, we said in Eretz Israel where they're certain that it's the first day of Sukkot because they know exactly when Nushodesh was. So they would actually shake the Lulav on Shabbat first day. But in Bavel, that they were not certain exactly when Nushodesh was, they would not. So you made a difference. So the Gibran says, what do you mean? Here you tell me, unification, you want to keep everybody equal when it comes to Haraba. But when it came to Lulav, we didn't say that. So the Gibran asks, Regarding the first day of Sukkot that fell around Shabbat, For us people living in Bavil, we don't take the Lulav on Shabbat. Lulav, it does not override Shabbat. But for them, meaning for Erev B'nai Israel, it is Dochayeh, that's not the same. Gabriel answers, you're right. Amre, ledidhu nameh lo You're right. For the people of Erev Israel, they also do not shake the love in the first day. We're retracting what we said above. All given above, we want to make a difference. And say, in Israel they did, and Bavel they did. Now we're coming along and say, we don't want to make pockets. We don't want to make uh, groups. Like that she says, Shelo la'asot Israel agudot agudot. 
We don't want to splinter up Klayas, so I have to make them groups. Torot. Now looks like we have two Torot. In Bavel, on the first day of Sukkot, on the Shabbat, they don't take the Lulav. In Eris Yisrael, that same year, they take the Lulav. It looks like we have uh, two different laws. So the Gebra says, hold it. We have, a, we have a Kasha based on this new understanding. What's the Kasha? We had two Mishnayot. <clears throat> One Mishnah said, that when the first day of Sukkot fell out on Shabbat, they would bring their lulavim from Arab Shabbat, which can't carry, obviously. So they would bring their lulavim Arab Shabbat, and they would put them in the uh, Bet Knesset. They would put them in the synagogue. The language of the Mishnah is Bet Knesset. Another Mishnah says, when Yom Tov Yishon Sukkot fell out on Shabbat, they would bring their lulavim Arab Shabbat to the Bet HaMikdash. So uh, the Gemara questioned, you know, why one Mishnah refers to Bet Knesset and one Mishnah refers to Bet Hamikdash. So the Gemara answered. What was the Gemara's answer? So the Gemara is going to tell us now what the Gemara answered. We have a question of what we learned in those two Mishnayot. The Tanahada, one Mishnah said, I once said, you bring the, they brought their lulavim on Friday to Harabai, that's the Bet Hamikdash. And the other Mishnah said, And had we answer on the, the other daf, uh, Which means we made it look like this. When the Beit HaMikdash was around, so then they would shake the Lulav in the Beit HaMikdash seven days. So therefore, on the first day of the on Shabbat, they would bring their Lulavim on Friday to Arabayit. Ah, when the Beit HaMikdash was not around, still in Eretz Yisrael, since they knew exactly when the Rosh Chodesh was, they were certain when the first day was, so they would bring their Lulavim to the Beit Knesset. So you see what? That even after the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, in Eretz Yisrael, they still shook the Lulav on the first day of Sukkot that fell out on Shabbat. So how are you telling me now that, no, once the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, to keep uh, unity, so Kaiser doesn't look uh, splintered, everybody's going to not shake it on the first day. What do you mean? That's the way we entered the Mishnayot. Which is the Mishnah that said that they brought their Lulavim to the Bet Knesset. On Friday, that was talking about Bizman She'en Bet HaMikdash Kayam in Eretz Yisrael in order to fulfill the Mitzvah. What are you talking about? I thought you told me that uh, when it comes out on Shabbat now, nobody's going to shake the love to keep the, to keep the unity. Mm-hmm. So the Gebra says, Lord, don't answer like that. We have to revamp that answer now as well. Idi ve'idi Bizman She'en HaMikdash Kayam. Both those Mishnayot are referring to the Zman of the Bet HaMikdash. Which means, in the Mikdash, we understand, when it came out on Shabbat the first day, they brought the Lulavim on Friday to the Bet HaRabayit. So what does it mean when they brought it to the Bet Knesset? Meaning, uh, areas that were close to Yerushalayim, where the Bet Din was, that heard exactly when Rosh Chodesh was, they considered Gevulin. Even Jerusalem is considered the provinces. Because anything outside of Arabayat is considered Gevulin. So therefore, any uh, uh, province close to Eris Yisrael enough, where they'd be able to know exactly when Rosh Chodesh was exactly, and therefore they were certain 
that the first day of Sukkot was indeed Shabbat, they would actually also fulfill the Mazvah as well. And therefore, they wouldn't go to the Harabai, they're not next to the Harabai, they would go to the Bet Knesset. So therefore, both Mishneot are specifically referring to Bismarck's Bet Kayam. But once Bismarck's and Bet Kayam, therefore, just like in Bavil, they did not take Lulav on the first day, because they didn't know, so do Ersel, meaning Yerushalayim, they would not take the Lulav as well. Why? To keep. Uniformity. Ah, but that Mishnah, those Mishnayot, was referring to Mishnah Shemit HaMikdash, Kayam. Look at Rashi, Big Bulin. Now again, you just have to keep in mind, when it says Givulin, it doesn't mean Givulin, the provinces of Bevel. Givulin, you have to say the close ones that were able to know exactly when those Chodesh was, they were able to hear. Givulin, Rashi, Molichin Lebet HaKeneset, Dechulu Bezman Abayit, Davu Kulu Ba'aris, everybody was in the style of it, Usmuchim, and they were close. The Yod Beddin, the Yod Im Ema Tukba Chodesh. And they know exactly when the Chodesh was established. Abal Atta, the Shaharibet Amigdash, El Nulav, Dohai Shabbat, Afil Nubner Israel. But today, there's no Bet Amigdash. First day that falls on Shabbat, there is no Nulav. That's the Minag Halacha today, based on this Gemara. Amar Le Abaye, Le Rabah. Okay. My shena lulav da avdin al shivha zechel mikdash, or my shena araba de lo avdin al shivha zechel mikdash. Question. We know the only mitzvah of shaking the love seven days was in the Beit Hamikdash. Usmachtem nefne Hashem Eloheichem shivat jamim. There's a mitzvah to have the simcha of lulav seven days in the Beit Hamikdash. Outside of the Beit Hamikdash was only mitzvah to shake love one day. One day. So today that we're shaking the lulav seven days is a commemoration to the way they did it in the Beit Hamikdash. There's no mitzvah to write the seven days. Today. The seven days of lulav is zecher to the way they did it in the Mikdash. Good. Now there was also a mitzvah from the Torah of mitzvah arava, as we learned on yesterday's daf. Either they walked the arava around the mizbeach. Or they just stood it up against the Mizbeah. Now that mitzvah also was a seven day mitzvah. However, we only commemorate that mitzvah one day. On the seventh day of the holiday, which we call Oshana Rabbah, we take Aravot. And when we take an Aravot, those Aravot are really to commemorate the mitzvah that they did in the Beit HaMikdash for seven days. So the Gemara asks, why when it comes to Lulav? Which was a seven-day Beit Hamikdash item. You're commemorating it for seven days, But when it comes to Arava, which was also a seven-day Beit Hamikdash item, you're only commemorating it one day, the last day. So Amale, so he tells him, Ho'il ve'Adam chovato ba'arava shebedulav. So he answers him, says because you're really doing it every day, because in the lulav. There's Arava also. So when you take in the Lulav, it's like you're taking the Arava as well. So therefore, it is a seven day uh, commemoration. Amar yeah. Leh. What are talking about? When you're taking it with the Lulav, that's for Lulav. Yeah. You're not taking it for the Mitzvah of Arava. You can't tell me that, oh, yeah, yeah I'm, doing, I'm doing it when I take the Lulav. Well, that's Lulav. This is a separate Mitzvah for Lulav. This is, uh, you don't fulfill the Arava Mitzvah. Maybe you'll tell, you pick it up twice. 
which is maybe the custom was first you pick up the lulav neshem lulav and you put it down you pick it up again okay now doing it for the sake of maybe that's what the uh, custom was so the Gebra says no which means go look uh, is everyday occurrences that people don't do that which means it's a nice thought to do that but bottom line in Klai Yisrael nobody was doing that they were taking the lulav if they, they put it down so they were, you tell me, oh, maybe that's what they did. Maybe they picked the love up twice. They didn't do that. But siut ma'asim bechol yom, it was not being done. So therefore, the question then is, why only one day commemoration for harava? Amar Ravzvid Meshemet Derava Lulav Deoraita Avdina Shvazechel Mikdash Arava Derabanan Lo Avdina Nashvazechel Mikdash. Kebala gives the first answer here. Yeah, but it's a big difference. Lulav in the Bet Hamikdash for seven days was Deoraita. Usmachtem nefnei Hashem inoyechem shavat shamim. And since the mitzvah of Lulav was Deoraita, so we make a seven-day commemoration for a Deoraita. Whereas the Arava in the Bet Hamikdash was only midrabanan, and therefore for a midrabanan item we only make a one-day commemoration. So the Gemara says Leman. According to who is it, the Rabbanan? What do you mean? You tell me Aravaz, the Rabbanan? Which opinion can you show me that holds Aravaz only the Rabbanan? Gemara says, Ili ma'ala Abba Shaul. Let me tell you, it's the opinion of Abba Shaul that says Aravaz was the Rabbanan. Can't be. Ha'amar arve nahal. When the Torah talks about taking Aravah on Sukkot with your lulav, it says arve nahal. It says a plural. Why plural? Arve nahal. Ketim. Shtayim. You have to take two. Ahat lulav, ahat lamikdash. The Arbe Nachal tells us what? One for your lulav, and one for the mikdash, meaning going around the mizbayah. So you see clearly, according to Abbas Shaul, is the Uraita, the mizbayah of Araba. Either a banan, hilcheta gemirila. And if you can go according to the rabbis, opinion they hold that the mizbayah of Araba was actually halakhalam shem mishinai, the amar of ase amar of Yohanan, mishum rabbi nehonya ish pikat bet hortan, as we learned, there was a three halakha Moshe Sinai. One of them was Esen Nitiot. Just to review very quickly, that was a law of Shemitah that says that normally uh, the halakha said that Shemitah starts in Tishri, and really from a month before, according to the Torah, which is Elul, they had already stopped. Uh, Plowing the fields and tending to the fields, that's considered like a Tosefet Shemitah. However, this did not apply to Esenetiot. Esenetiot were 10 small tree saplings that were planted in 2,500 square amma field. And the Halakam uh, Sinai says you're allowed to plow the entire field. Why? Because 10 saplings evenly scattered in such a field benefit from the nutrients of the entire field. And if you're going to only plow, Next to each tree, they're going to die. You actually have to plow the whole field in order for the ten trees to exist. Whereas regular trees, the law would be Elul, and the rabbis even preempted trees back to uh, Pesach or Shavuot. And therefore, the Adush by is that when it comes to Esen Nitiot, you can put up to Rosh Hashanah. You don't have to worry about the Tosefet Shemitah. Because that was one Alakam Shemitah. The second Alakam Shemitah was. And on Sukkot, you pour water on the Mizbaya as well as wine. And the third, and the Chemeshim, was Arava. Now, 
It should be that in Sukkot you go around in his bed with Arabah. There's no connection between these three Adachal Hashem Mishinahs. We learned earlier, since they were set in the Bet Midrash together, so it always uh, uh, groups these three together. But what do you see? According to the rabbis, Araba is indeed a mitzvah doraita. It's halakha la Moshe, Messinai. So what are you telling me? Ya Araba is the banan. The banan according to who? We didn't find any opinion that Araba is the banan. So it was, Ela amalav zvid meshemed rava, lulav di itle ikar mena Torah bigbulin, avdin al neshva zechel mikdash. Araba deletle ikar mena Torah bigbulin, lo avdin al neshva zechel mikdash. So the final answer of Zavid is you know why you do seven days for Lulav? Because Lulav has a source from the Torah that you have to shake it in the provinces. How many days do you shake it in the provinces in the Gibudin? One day. How do you know that from? So since we have a clear Pasuk in the Torah that tells us that we shake the Lulav, in the provinces, so therefore we still shake the lab in the provinces today, seven days, zechet to what they did in the Beit HaMikdash, because not only is it a Torah law, but it's an explicit Torah law for the Givudin. However, Arava, it's not explicit. There's no Pasuk in the Torah that clearly says you have to shake the Arava at all, especially in the Givudin, not at all. And therefore, since it's not an explicit, it is a Torah law in the Beit HaMikdash, but since it's not written explicitly that you have to shake the Aravah all in the Givudin, so we don't do it a seven-day item, we do it a one-day Zechel the Megdash. So the basic answer is, one is explicitly in the Torah, and one is not explicit. So the explicit one, you make a seven-day commemoration, and the non-explicit one, you make a one-day commemoration. That's the final answer. So Kavzik says, Amar Ishtakish, new point. Kohanim ba'ale mumin. You have a kohen. It's ba'al mum. He's a blemished, a blemished kohen. Nichnasim. They would enter ben ha'ulam ve'lamizbayah. They would walk between the ulam, or call that the the antechamber, and the mizbayah. Kedel atzeit ba'arava. In order to fulfill the mezav ba'arava, and the shakish says a big hadush. Normally, Baal Mumin are not allowed to enter that area between the Ulam and the Mizbayah because they're, they're, they're blemished Kwanin. But he says, when it comes to Sukkot and fulfilling this Mizbah Arava, even Baal Mumin can go to the, uh, to the area and they take the Arava and they fulfill the Mizbah. That's a tremendous Hadush. Now, the question is, when the Hakan Shaki say this, so some want to say two answers. Either Baal Mumin are only assumed Rabbanan to be in that area. And since the Mizvav Arava is Deoraita, so the Hachamim waived their Drabbanan law in lieu of the Deoraita. Uh, someone would say, no, the Baalim Mumin is actually a Deoraita. So how can it be waived? So they use the principle of Ase Dohe Lotase. The Mizvat Ase to shake the Arava overrides the Lotase of not being allowed to go next to the Mizbeah if you're Baal Mum. So either way, they were working with. You know, the halakhic principles, but that was a Takishis Hadush. So comes again Maran says, let's look at that sheet for a second. Kohanim, Baalimumin, Afem Dohakim. They would also push themselves, Venich Nasim, and enter, Lakif Belaglehem. Right, to walk around the Mizbayah by foot, Narava Biyadam. Okay? The Enomrim Lakif. 
שלא ייכנסו בין העולם למזבח. And we don't, I'm sorry, ואי אפשר. It is impossible להקיף שלא ייכנסו בין העולם למזבח. If you're going around the מזבח, you're going to have to walk around that area. Now that she continues, וכל השנה אסורים להיכנס שם. All year long, a Baal Moom is not allowed to enter over there. Kedam Rima Masikat Kelim, Vedic Lishon. Fine. So Amar Le'er Rabbi Yohanan, Rabbi Yohanan heard this from Nishtakish. He comes along and says, Mi Amra? Did he say such a thing? Now, what was the Habamin of the Gemarim? What was Rabbi Yohanan shocked about? Did he say such a thing? So look at Rashi. Mi Amra? Hashta Salkada Takdachi Ka'abad. Mi Amra Shi Choba? The Ka'amal Latzit Ba Yideh Choba? Which is the language of Rishtakish was Kedel Latzit Ba'arava Mashma That is the Oraita law To fulfill their obligation mm-hmm. So Rabbi Hanan said What did Rishtakish really say That it's a Oraita To fulfill their obligation Is there indeed an obligation Rabbi Hanan is asking to do the Araba So the Gibbara said What kind of question is that Mi Amra Ha'iyu Amar What are you talking about Rabbi Hanan himself Is the one that holds that Araba is the Oraita. How? The Amar of Yohanan. Mishum of Nehonia is Pekat Petortan. I said the Tiot. Araba. Very Sukhamayim. Halakhalam Shem Sinai. So therefore, what was the Yohanan saying? The Yohanan heard the Shaki say, in order for them to fulfill the obligation of Araba. So Yohanan says, What did he really say that? That Araba is the Oraita? So he was asking back to Yohanan, What are you talking about? You're the one that taught us. It's the Oraita from Halakhalam Moshe. מסיני, אלא מי אמרה בנטילה? Did Shlakish really say that they would actually take the Aravot בנטילה? דילמה בסקיפה. Maybe the mitzvah is sekifa, which means maybe לצפה doesn't mean they would have to take the Aravot themselves and you assume because they walked around the mitzvah. No. Maybe the mitzvah is zekifa. No, yesterday's Gemara we had a safek. Maybe it's either nitila or it's either zekifa. And therefore, if it's zekifa, you don't need anybody to take these except one kohen. Which is if you tell me the mitzvah is nitila, okay, then everybody has to walk around with a araba and shake it and walk around the mitzvah. But if you tell me the mitzvah is zekifa, so what do you even tell me? Balim, me taking it, putting it. All these one kohen to stick it on the mitzvah and it's done. Now, me amra be balim mumin dilma betimimim. And secondly, who told you that balim mumin could do this mitzvah? Maybe it could only be fulfilled by timimim, only by kohanim that are uh, unblemished. Which means uh, Rashi, me amra benetila vete chovat kohanim. If you're going to learn it's a chovat netila, then it's an obligation on all the kohanim. That's it. But who told you it's a chovah netila that all the kohenim have to fulfill their obligation? Dilma b'skifa v'chohen echad zokva, and maybe only one kohen has to line it up against the mizbeach al yedei kovei and chovah al kulam. And secondly, where did you get the seter to tell me that pahalim umim could could even do this mizbeach? Maybe it's tafka by umim. So Yehanan challenged Rishlakish on two fronts. Right? He challenged him on the. The way you fulfill the mitzvah, and who is able to fulfill the mitzvah? Even if you say, mm. even if you say the mitzvah is to take it, each guy who told you ba'alim umim can fulfill this mitzvah. Maybe it's tafka with kibimim. So you got them on both friends. First of all, maybe the mitzvah is only by one kohen to, 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 to raise it against the mitzvah. And if you want to tell me it's mitzvah for every kohen, who told you ba'alim umim can stay in that area of the mitzvah? Maybe it's only by 
Tamimin. Good. So now the Gemara goes further. New point. Itmar. Rabbi Yohanan Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi. Had Amar Arava Yesod Nevi'im V'had Amar Arava Minhag Nevi'im This Mitzvah Arava Again on the seventh day that we take the Arava It's Mahlokit What the institution was One rabbi says it was Yesod Nevi'im That means the Nevi'im actually instituted This Mitzvah To take Arava on the seventh day but some want to say, no, it's not Yesod Nevi'im, it's really Minhag Nevi'im. They, uh, they instituted the, uh, the Minhag, which means they, they started the custom. Now, what's the, what's the difference if it's Yesod Nevi'im or Minhag Nevi'im? So look at that sheet. Yesod Nevi'im, Takarat Nevi'im Aharonim, Haggai Zechariah Malachi. They were the last members of the Anchikinist, the Gedolah, the men of the Great Assembly. So according to the first opinion, they actually established it. They just accustomed Kla Yisrael. Which means, if you say it's an institution of the Nevi'im, it's a rabbinical institution, so already the Torah says, We have an obligation, do not sway from what the rabbis tell you. So therefore, you can make a berakah. Where did the Torah command us? You have to cannot, uh, turn away from what the rabbis teach us. But if you say it's the minhag, well, a minhag, we don't make a berakah on a minhag. So that's enough coming up. You say it's Yesod Nevi'im, or Minhag Nevi'im. So comes the Gemara and says, now we don't know who said what. We're just two rabbis, the Yohanan and the Yoshua. One said Yesod, one said Minhag. So comes the Gemara and says, just a yim, that Rabbi Yohanan, who the Amar Yesod Nevi'im. Let us conclude that it was indeed Rabbi Yohanan that said it was a Yesod. It was an institution of the Prophets. The Amar, Abu Amar Yohanan, Arava, Yesod Nevi'im. Clearly, Tistayim, conclusive proof. Amale Rabbi Zerah Rabbi Abu. Mi Amar Rabbi Yohanan Acheh. Did Rabbi Yohanan say that? Amar Rabbi Yohanan, Mishum Rabbi Nehonyan, Ishpikat Bet Hortan. Eser, Netiot, Arava, Vinisukha, Malakalam Shem Sinai. What are you talking about? Rabbi Yohanan is the one that said that Arava is Alakalam Shem Sinai. It's only an institution of the... Nevi'im. Of the Nevi'im. So the Gemara says, Ishtomem Kishahada. He was silent for one moment. Which means, he got him. When the Bizarat told Abu this question, the Nabu couldn't answer. He says, it's a good question. How am, I, how am I telling that he holds Yesod Nevi'im if he said it's Allah Akhal Moshe, Messinai? So he answered, Ve'amar, Shachum, Ve'azru, Ve'yazdum. So he's really, originally it was Allah Akhal Moshe, Messinai. But what? They forgot it. Certain laws in Bavel were forgotten over time. And then when the rabbis came along and they had to reinstitute it, uh, this forgotten law. Okay? Rashi, Shachum, Begalut Bavel. When the Jews were exiled to Bavel, Shachu et Torah, the mitzvot, the mixat. Well, obviously, exile causes uh, you to forget things. Uh, exile, so you forgot the part of the Torah. Vinishtak Haligamre. This law of Aravah, walking around the Mizbeah, or shaking it on the seventh day, forgotten. 
So the later prophets came along, the Yazdum al Piyadibur. And they came along, al Piyadibur, al Ruach Kodesh, and they uh, reinstituted it. So the Gemara says, no, no, no. It can't be. Why can't it be? The Gemara is not going to prove to us that in Bavel they were more uh, fluent in the Torah than even the rabbis of Eretz Israel. And therefore, you can't tell me as a result of Galut Bavel, Torah was forgotten. On the contrary, the Torah in Bavel was very strong because the Gemara is going to tell a story. Uh, actually, the Gemara is going to say a statement that the Yohanan made. Rabbi Yohanan is going to make a statement like this to his students. I thought the Torah was by us. Rabbi Yohanan was in Eretz Israel. Uh-huh. But really now I'm realizing the Torah is by them. And what was the statement that he made? Umi Amar Rabbi Yohanan Achid. Rabbi Yohanan said that they forgot the law in Bavel. The Amar Rabbi Yohanan Dilchon Amre. Which means originally I thought Dilchon. That the Torah belongs to us. To us. But really I'm realizing Dilhoni. It's really theirs. Now, in what context did the Yohanan say this? So that she tells us a whole story. Rav Kahana was a student of Rav. Who was a very sharp uh, student. He was very harif, as she says. He originally lived in Bavil. But the Gemara over there in Babata tells a story that he murdered somebody. Yeah. Uh, that's Kana. Legally. But as a result of the murdering, uh, they uh, were coming after him. So he had to run for his life. <laughs> so that's Kana ran from Babel to Israel. And who did he go study with? The Buhanan. Now, when. Rabbi Yohanan started to study with uh, Rav Kana. He saw how smart he was. Many of Rabbi Yohanan's questions, Rav Kana had answers. So Rabbi Yohanan was shocked. He said, I thought the people in Bavel with the Galut and all that, they forgot the Torah. And I see, if this is the Torah of Bavel, I see they're better than us. And as she quotes, Avavaiti uh, shishil b'nev ha'vashafapish galu, even though they went into exile, Amda lehem hachmat ha'chadesh ha'mazgir. When they exiled the Jewish people to Bavel, there was two waves of exiles. Yeah, first the first was the Harish uh, and the Mazgir, which literally means the Harash and the Mazgir, is the, uh, the carpenters, uh, literally. Uh, who are these, uh, these uh, carpenters? Uh, those are the rabbis uh, that they nicknamed them as the carpenters, that the uh, exiled them in the first wave. Those were Yohiyachin, Tamid Hachamim, and therefore, the, those rabbis established Torah Bavel very strong. Giburim. Says all those people that exalted Bavel originally were the Giburim. They were the strong ones. Osimil Hama, warriors. Vetanya besedar Olam, vechima Gibura Osim bin Adam and Atrim b'shal Shelosh What do you mean? These are exiles. They went out to Bavel in chains. We're kind of Giburim of them. So that she says, Elashi Giburim are you be melhamtash Torah? They were warriors in Torah. So you see clearly, you can't tell me that the Yohanan said, Oh yeah, 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 originally it was Halakam Shem Sinai. And then as a result of Galut Bavel, they forgot the law, so the Nevi'im came along and reinstituted it. What are you talking about? You can't be, when Galut Bavel did not cause forgetting the Torah, because the Yohanan himself was the one that was more impressed with the Torah Bavel than the Torah of Israel. So the Gemara says, La Kasha. It's no question. Kan be Mikdash, Kan be Gimuli. We're talking about two different times over here. Which means, in the times of the Beit Mikdash, it was Halakha Mashiach Sinai. And therefore, was, that's what Yohanan said. Ah, when did Rabbi Yohanan tell us that it was uh, Yesod Nevi'im? Yesod Nevi'im, that was after the Beit Mikdash was destroyed, that you have to take the Arava one day 
on the last day of the holiday to commemorate what they did in the Beit HaMikdash, just speaking of Lina, after the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed. And therefore, two different periods. Huh? According to Yohanan, you would. Now we hold, uh, we don't hold like that. We hold the Spinach Devim. And then we don't make a Benachah. But the point is, that's the Gibran's answer. The Gibran's trying to say that Yohanan made both statements. One time, the Yohanan said, Hakam Shem Sinai, it was much for them, Tashkayam. And when he said that it's Yisod Devim, that's after the Beit HaMikdash Kayam, the Gibran, Zech and the Mikdash, you take it for one day, that's only a Takana of the Hakamim. And the uh, Nishaki says, Wa, and the Yoshua says, What's been hacked to him? And we post the Yoshua, therefore we host been hacked, that's why we don't make a beracha on the Arabah of the last day. Comes the Gemaran says, Amar Rav Amir, Arabah Sericha Shi'ur. Okay, now we're going to discuss the Mitzvah of Arabah on the seventh day. Not the Arabah of the Lulav, the Arabah of the seventh day. This Mitzvah that we take the Arabah, it needs a Shi'ur. Now, the Gebarah is going to tell us later on what, what, what shi'ud are we talking about over here. It's not going to be referring to the height. We're discussing shi'ud. How many leaves do you need? To be closer. How many, how many uh, stems do you need first? And how many leaves on each one for it to be kashir minimally? That's, that's the shi'ud. Because she's going to tell us, while for lulav, we learned the shi'ud is three tefahim. Yeah, right. It has to be three tefahim high. But for the mitzvah of Arabah, called shi'ud. There's no shi'ud of how tall they have to be. Now, the minhag is to take tall, nice ones like we'll see in the Gemara, but minadin, there's no really shi'ud in height of these Arabot. Second law, you only take it alone. You don't tie anything else with it. With it. Meaning, we want it to be recognizable that you're taking it for the mitzvah of arava. If you're going to tie something else with it, it's not going to be noticeable. So if you take it, just the sticks of the arava. Third law, when Adam And you do not fulfill your obligation with the arava from the lulav. Well, the Gevara says, this is repetitious. You just told me that what the Taraba is only taken by itself. Well, obviously you can't take it with the lulav. The lulav is with something else. So what are you, what are you repeating the law? Actually, I would have thought like this. Maybe you know why you can't take it with the lulav? Because the purpose of the lulav is for lulav. And it's not recognizable that you're taking it for Arabah. However, if let's say you picked it up for the Lulav, and then you put it down again, and then you picked it up for Arabah, now I may think, since the second time when you picked it up, you did it specifically for the Kabbalah of Arabah, now it's noticeable that you're doing it for the Mitzvah. But if you lifted it up, and you repeated it, and you picked it up again, I would have thought that maybe it's okay. Which means, maybe that's considered uh, you did fulfill the Mitzvah. Kamash Malan, no. That when it's attached to the Lulav, I don't care if you picked it up twice, you still are not Yotze. Good, so let's review the three laws. Number one, can I have a Shi'ur? We don't know what the Shi'ur is. You can't tie anything else with it, nor can you fulfill the Mitzvah when it's attached to the Lulav. Even if you picked it up twice, meaning the Kabbalah for the Arava. Good? Comes Gabriel says, "Vilav Hazdam bar Yitzchak, Adam Yotzei Yedeh Chavato bar Avashelulav." Hazdam says, "No, you do fulfill your obligation." Which means, in a kind of, if you pick it up twice, the first time you pick it up for the lulav, and the second time you pick it up for the mitzvah Araba, you did your mitzvah. That's why we have machlokah regarding that. 
skip the parentheses. Vekama shi'ura. Now, what is the shi'ur? Amar of Nahman, Gimel Badealin Lahin. Three badin, three sticks, meaning three aravot, with alin lahin, that have moist leaves on it. So they have three aravot with moist leaves. That's the shi'ur. That she says, Shiesh Bekhulahad Alin Lahin. And in each one of the three you have moist leaves. Then of Sheshat Amar, Afilu Ale Ehad Ubad Ehad. Even one stick, one arava, with one leaf. Now it's mashma the way he said it. One arava, one leaf, even if it's not attached. It's mashma You have one, uh, one mash stick, bald stick without any leaves, with one leaf. So the Gemara says, what? Is that possible? They have one stick of arava with one leaf not even attached? One leaf attached to one stick. Okay? So that's the, the minimum amount. Now look at Rashi. Okay. That's Above we said the minimum size of Aravaz what? Three Tifahim. That was by the Mizvav Lulav. Even is enough to have a cold shoe. Today that she says the mitzvah has been hags to bring, let's say five, but he says the mitzvah has to bring long, beautiful ones in order to show the mitzvah. But minimally, you can even take uh, cold shoe. Okay? Comes Gibran says, Amar Aibo. Who is Aibur? She says, the father of Rav. Abu de Rav. So I was once in front of Rabbi Azar, Sadok. So a certain guy came in front of Rabbi Azar, Sadok, with Araba in front of him on the seventh day of Sukkot. Shakil. So Rabbi Azar took the Araba. Habit, Habit, Vela Barikh. Habit, according to Rashi, means he shook it. He shook Taraba, you know, whatever, a few times. And he did not make a berakha. Kasabar, minhag, nevi'imu. Must be also minhag. And therefore, as opposed to a yesod. And therefore, since it's all minhag, nevi'im, there's no berakha, minhag. That's why Aibo did not make a berakha. Rashi says, Habit, Habit, lashun ni'nuwa. It means to wave it. That's the way they did the mitzvah. They didn't bang it. Now the Gemara tells another story. Aibo, This is a different Aibo. Since we mentioned the name Aibo, we're bringing another story. But this is a different Aibo over here. Uh, so Gemara says, They were actually the grandchildren from the daughter of Rav. They brought Arava in front of their grandfather, Rav. Same thing. Rav took it, he shook the Arava. That's all that's also Minhag. Kabbalah tells the story. Amar Aibo. Aibo said. Havak, this is the second Aibun, the grandson of Rav, not the uh, father. Amar Aibu. Havak ka'imna 
He says, one time I was, actually, no, this could be the father. This could be the father. This is the father. You can see he's in front of Rabbi Azab, Rabbi Sadok. And the father was also in front of Rabbi Azab, Rabbi Sadok. Amar Aibu Haba, Kaimna Kamed Rabbi Azab, Rabbi Sadok. Nothing to do with Arava, but since we told the story of Aibu and Rabbi Azab, Rabbi Sadok with Arava, I'm going to tell you another episode with Aibu and Rabbi Azab, Rabbi Sadok regarding Shemitah. What would happen? Atal Kamehu Gavra. Certain guy came in front of Rabbi Azab Rabbi Sadok. Aibu was there watching the story. Amarle, so the fellow tells Rabbi Azab Rabbi Sadok, Karaita Itli. Which means, I uh, have, uh, as she says, villages. And the guy's a uh, uh, landowner. He says, I own Karaita. I have certain villages and uh, you know farms and real estate. Karmaya Itli. And I also have vineyards. Vizetaya Itli. And I also have uh, olive uh, trees. Right, have olives. He's giving him his muriyaz. Ve'atu bene kariyata, and the people of the village uh, came along. Umekeskesin bekarmaya. What they're doing for me is they're plowing for me. They're working for me. They're plowing my uh, my uh, vineyards. Ve'ochlin bezetaya, and I give them as payment. The olives, which means uh, they're not going to work for free. So they're plowing my fields, but uh, their payment, I give them uh, to eat from the olives. Now she says, Beskar hafidat karamim mafkiram na'aniim. It was the year of Shemitah. He said, listen, Rabbi, I know I'm not being mafkir, I'm not uh, making my uh, uh, fields hefkir. I'm giving the money to pay for the uh, plowing. Arich odo arich. So he asks Rabbi Azabdu, am I doing right or am I not doing right? That's correct or not. Now he tells them back, Amarle Lo Arich. Not correct. Now really Torah Minadin he was correct. Because according to the Halakha, you're allowed to give the Zetim to the workers as a matana, as a gift. They're not different than any other people. And that gift can serve as their payment. Wow. However, and that's what this, this, this fellow was doing. He was paying them as, uh, as before you get to the plowing. The plowing, we're going to see also, was permissible, uh, it was possible to be permissible plowing. But the point was the paying. Are you paying? You have to make mafkit ra'anim. But the Lachat says, no, if you pay, as give it as a gift to them and not as a payment, because you're, you're, like, you're not allowed to do transaction with Shemitah. So you're doing transaction. No, they must do a transaction. But the problem is, Aibo, Rabbi Azab bin Sadok had was Marit Ayin. It looks like you're transacting. So I told him, that's what I was asking, Arik or Dorik, is it proper or is it not proper? So Rabbi Azab bin Sadok told him, I don't like it. Marit Ayin, it looks like you're transacting in uh, in the front of Shemitah. So he right away, he left. The, the fellow heard the Psaq he went, he went, he went. Now where did he go? <laughs> right away when he heard the Pesach, he's not allowed to pay them, so he went to stop them. Oh. Which means now he's giving them these uh, fruit over there, so he went to, in the middle of the, right, he got the Pesach, he left them, he said, that's it, that's it. so he wanted to stop the, uh, the correct the situation, exactly. Amar, so the Be'azah Rebisa was very impressed. He says, I've been living in this land for 40 years. I have not seen a fellow like this that's going 
like this guy. Right. Which means, what was he so impressed? Then right away he ran to, to rectify the situation. He didn't question, he didn't ask, he didn't delay. I made 40 years, I never saw such an honest guy that goes uh, to, to, to follow the halakha like this. Hadar Then he comes back to the guy, to the Be'azab and Sadok. Sorry. What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> Which means, what, what did he come back for? Because first of all, he wanted to stop the situation. No, no, no. Right now, if he stopped the payment and all that, it's okay. Now give, give me the answer now. How do I, how do I deal with this? Uh, and that's why Rabbi was so impressed that he didn't even stay around to get a the full, answer. The full answer because he wanted at first to stop the issue from happening. He doesn't mind me. What, what, what do I do over here? Take your olives and make them hefker for the hashukaya. Hashukaf is for the darkened ones. That's the, the poor people because their the life is dark. And pay the pay the workers, not for pedo Pay the workers regular payment for their plowing. That's the right uh, the right thing to do. So now uh, the point is, uh, it should be known. He doesn't have to really uh, make it hefkir for the aniim. You, you could benefit from them yourself. The point is, you have to make them hefkir, even for ashirim. He just told them, La'anim's la'dafka. The point is that you cannot uh, hold on to them yourselves. If you also can go to the field and take them just like anybody else. Good. Now the Gemara asked the obvious question. What do you mean? How come the rabbi didn't get him about the plowing? Are you allowed to plow fields during uh, Shemitah? That Tanya, we learned in the Braita, right. In the seventh year, Tishmetin have to abandon your fields and leave them. So the Gemara says, You have to leave them from plowing. And abandon them. The sakil means you cannot uh, clean the stones, right? You have like rocks in the field. You can't clean the field from the stones. So Amar of Ukba, but Hama Tre Kashkushe Avu. There's two types of plowing. Had Situme Pile. One is where you have the roots of the tree, they became uncovered. Now, when the roots of the tree are uncovered, very bad for the tree, the tree could die. So what do you do? You take the dirt and you cover up the roots. Now that's not going to enhance your tree, but what it's going to do is it's going to stop your tree from dying. Okay, that's just maintenance. Now, vehad abruye ilane, and there's another type of plowing which is called abruye that she says that's actually uh, making holes by the uh, roots of the uh, trees, and that makes it uh, softer in order to enhance the tree. So either abruye means to pierce holes, okay. or as she learns abruye from the shon the havri bari to make the tree healthier. I mean to do things of plowing. That's gonna make it healthy. There's two types of plowing. So the Gebara says abruye ilane asur. If it's a type of plowing that enhances the tree that makes it healthy, or piercing the uh, the, 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 the ground to make it soft, that's a suit. Situme pile share. But if it's just covering the roots, mutar. So that's what the type of plowing these guys were doing over here. They were just covering the roots. That's why he didn't tell me anything about them. But the plowing is mutar. This is just the maintenance. You're just keeping the tree from dying. The problem he had was the payment method. And that's why I told them, you know, make it if good and just give the payment from your own pocket. Good? Amar Aibo Meshum Rabbi El Azar Bar Tzadok Best Halakha Al Yalech Adam Barbe Shabbatot Yotir Migimul Parsaot 
On Erev Shabbat, a person should not travel more than three parsaot. Now, how much would that be? Uh, a parsa is, let's say, a 72-minute walk. And the amount of time that a person could walk in three 72-minute uh, intervals. If, let's say, a person uh, technically can walk uh, two to three miles in a 72-minute uh, uh, interval. I see talking like uh, nine miles, ten miles. Person should not travel on Eid of Shabbat. Okay, on Friday. So comes the Gemara and says, "What's the discussion? We travel where? Where's he going? What's the what's the issue?" Amar no Amaran ela lebete. This is talking to his house, which is talking about a guy's out of town. He wasn't uh, home uh, during the week. Now he's far away. He shouldn't travel when he's that far away. Don't go home. Uh, to towards your home uh, uh, on Friday. What's the what's the reason? So that she says, first uh, wide line. Ela lebete. Actually, lo yalech. Ela yishbot lo beod yom gadol viachinu seudat Shabbat. Let him stay wherever he is. Let him prepare the Shabbat meal wherever he is and finished. Ela lebete sholech lebeto. Now vehem enam yodaim sheyavo ayom. His family doesn't expect him to come home. He's so far away. He's not coming home. What's going to happen? Vehem mechinim nitzurko. They're not going to make dinner for him. They're not going to prepare food for him. Vehu Christ alim. He's going to show up, and there's not going to be any food for him. Well, you, you, you're here. We didn't expect you. Were so far away. What happened? Now he's going to get angry. So the rabbi said, "You know what? If you're that far away, stay where you are. Prepare your food, and don't don't get involved." However, But if let's say he's going to a guest, he's a guest. Go to an inn. To somebody, they're going home. Amai denakit samich. What is Carrying with him, that's what he'll rely on. Rashi, Eno Somech al Bene Abayit, Venoser Imos Seuda, Vahamash Shabi Adon Esmach. Because when a guy is going to, as a guest in, a, in an inn, he doesn't rely on them to make him any food. He has his own uh, provisions. So he's not going to get angry. Whatever he has, he'll rely on that to eat. When he goes home, he's relying on what? The food of his house. And therefore, since they're not expecting him to come home, so therefore he's going to get angry. So he told us, if you're three out away, stay put. But if you go to the Uspiza and then we have some food with you, so bring your food to the Uspiza, no problem. That's the first opinion. However, the Gemara says, Vika de Amr is another version. Amar Afkana, lo nitzlecha ela afilu lebete. They're looking at the opposite way. They're saying that certainly, if you're three pesos, certainly you should not go to the to the to the to, to the hotel. We'll see now. But not only the hotel, even your house you shouldn't go to. Why? Look at Rashi. Afidu lebeto dema shemotze imat imrav shelo. Which means this: bottom line, you go to your house. Whatever you're going to find in your house is yours. Whether you find a lot of food or a little food, it's your house. Afapikin lo yalech. Still, even though it's your house, your food, all that. Don't go, because they're not going to be uh, prepared. Well, the boss, you're going to go to a, 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 a hotel. They have nothing for you over there. Just if I out in your house, you might find something that belongs to you. Still, the logic of this shita is what? They're worried you're not going to have the proper provisions for Shabbat. You're not going to have enough. So even if you're going to show up to your house, you might have little provisions. It's not going to be Kabot Shabbat. Therefore, certainly to a hotel where the stuff does not belong to you, so we're not assuming the guy's provisions with him and all that. The guy's gonna come home 
not find enough stuff. Certainly in a hotel where the stuff does not belong to him. If you're three parsot away, spend Shabbat where you are. Don't uh, you know, get, get, get your goods over there. Don't don't start going now to a place. So the Gemara tells a story. Amar of Kahana, bididi hava uvda. He says it happened to me a story that I was three parsot away from my home and I came home. And what happened? I didn't even find breaded fish, which means the Gemara says in Shabbat, the minimum kavod Shabbat is kasad arsana. Little fish, like a sardine, with uh, some kemah on it. That was the minimum Shabbat that they used to have. So he says, it happened to me. He's, he's fortifying his opinion, the second opinion. The second opinion is even to your house. Even his happened to me, I came home, I didn't even find Kasadar Sana. She says, Sauda Mu'etit Dagim Kitani Mitugarim Bekemah Beshomen Shilaim. And therefore, you see the second Shita that even in your house, you should not, to call Shekendi, which be saying that you're not going to find uh, sufficient food.